Welcome to TFW Live, the best kept secret in fantasy football, where we keep that week one feeling going all year long. This is episode 311. Nice band where we will keep where we keep talking all the injury news and nuggets from around the NFL head into week one with Sam Wagman from Football Guys and Fantasy Points. Support for TFW Live is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped Performance Package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. You can join the 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. Go ahead and get 20% off free worldwide shipping with the code TFW Man. Excuse me, 20% off and free worldwide shipping. It's even mm-hmm. better. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TFW Man. I'm Austin Sear here and joined by my best friends, Johnny Game Time Hicks and Big Travi. Bring them on. And of course, a big welcome to you, Whisper Nation. What's going on, Albert and Gus and everybody else that will be joining us? Ton of gratitude for our members over on YouTube who support the show through a monthly subscription. Pizza Belly, Don Caples, Bailey Ziegler, Kevin Davi, Nick, Brett Zabo, John Credit, Eric Lorenzen, Donnie Tubbs, Jersey J, and Hannibal. And if you yeah. would like to grow our growing list of YouTube members, click join next to the video now. Got to give a shout out as well to our patrons who have supported the show throughout. We've got new giveaway packages announced this month. Really excited for those. Stay tuned. Thank you also to those who subscribed us or followed us on social media. Welcome to Whisper Nation, Emiler, Bernando, Roe, Hunter Alt, SC Player, and Derek Pritchett. Danny, MR22, Olas, Doug, Biblical Losses, I like that one, Tim <laughs> Riley, Fraser Valley Estates, and Uchi012933. Thank you for joining us. And if you love fantasy football and would love joining a community where you know that you belong, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on the YouTube channel. We're trying to get just one more subscriber on this stream. Just one more could be you. And if you're new, let us know where you're streaming in from. We'll give you a shout out on the show. As mentioned in today's episode, we are joined by a very special guest, our friend and colleague in the fantasy football space, football guy's very own Sam Wagman. Let's bring him on. Let's go. What up, Sam? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on tonight. Yeah, of course. Join with us. We've got some questions that we're going to share with you. But before we do, got to give a shout out here to our boy, Gus. Yeah. Let's go. We're going to go ahead go, and Gus. hit him with a little whisper. Woo! Appreciate that. Feel free to jump in there with the, you know, (laughs) I will get in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) There's the baptism on this one. We'll see if we get any more ones rocket in there through biblical losses. I'm talking to you. All right. (laughs) You know, the baptism in here, the connections are flying. (laughs) So Sam, first off, how you doing, my friend? I am doing well. I mean, we got football back. That's the absolute most important thing to take from this week. I am just super excited that we get to now move to the process of deciding whether we were smart or idiotic this summer instead of, you know, just throwing accusations and takes and stats at each other (laughs) back and forth for the past six months like we have. So I am absolutely the most excited for that. I'm excited for Sunday finally, you know, Mm. to get this season truly going. But last night, last night was good. So, you know, it was good for me. I get to victory lap Gabe Davis, you know, after doing that for the past, uh, uh, it's, it's, we're nearly two and a half years into the Gabe Davis love that uh sprouted last off season so i'm just happy that you know hopefully he gets his and becomes you know a really relevant name like i think he will be this year so i'm excited for that 
Great end of the year. Great start to the next year. I'm sure we're going to be talking about Mr. Gabe Davis quite a bit. And we're going to be getting to the Bills-Rams game here in just a moment. But first, Whisper Nation, we wanted to have you get to know Sam a little bit better. So we're going to do it as we do it and work through our list of questions. Travis is up first. Yeah, what year did you start playing fantasy football, Sam? I started playing fantasy football in 2006. I had just turned uh, 11 years old and uh, really was, you know, getting over the uh, the Eagles losing the Super Bowl two years earlier. Dude, that so, was brutal. Yeah, so, yeah, so uh, ever you know, uh, Peyton Manning was in his prime. Um, you know, Landanian Tomlinson was in his prime. You know, th- those were the days, you know, the days of mm-hmm. uh, running back getting uh, four, you know, 400 some odd touches in a season and it not being weird. Right. <laughs> do you, uh, we know you're an Eagles fan, um, but do you still root for those Eagles more uh, than your fantasy team? Absolutely. Die hard, mm-hmm. die hard. And uh, I am fully willing to uh, root for the birds across, but they're definitely reflected in my fantasy teams <laughs> very strongly. There we go. Make them work together. Favorite mm-hmm. fantasy player all time, Sam? Has to be Landanian Tomlinson. Um, mm-hmm. He was he was my first pick uh, of, of my first ever draft. Completely locked into it. Uh, and obviously in 2006, he had the best fantasy football season of all time, 480 something points there. Just Woo! absolutely dominant man. Uh, you know, the 28 touchdowns, like just, just such a great, great, great year. And, uh, I, I was happy beginners luck won the league. We can't live in just all positivity and rainbows. we got to talk <laughs> a little negativity here. So we want to talk about the, the player that's burned you the most. Yeah, so uh, the player that's burned me the most is probably a tie here between Julio Jones when I took him really early when he you know had his list Frank injury, and Juju Smith Schuster, mm. who I was convinced mm-hmm. was an absolute stud after that uh, you know that early season in in Pittsburgh, fourteen hundred yards, and uh, I traded him and a first. In a dynasty league, and I traded him straight up in another league for Dalvin Cook both times. I traded Dalvin Cook for Juju, thinking Juju was going to be the next big thing. Uh. In both those scenarios, I made those trades within a day of each other. Both owners, you know, were like, okay. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, I, it was it was on me, and uh, I looked really stupid that year. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite live draft memory of all time? So kind of crazy. I've actually never been at a live draft in my life. Oh, yeah, uh, you gotta get no. out there. Yeah, you gotta get. So live a little. I've been trying to get my friends to do something live for forever. We've had our home league for about five years now, but unfortunately, you know, we've gotten to the point where a lot of us are out of state. You know, at, you know, out of out of the uh, geographic closeness uh, that we had for the first many years of our life. And uh, so it, it's tough for us. And um, when I was younger, the the first leagues I played were not with like my, my close friend group. So I think that's kind of where it came in. Like I didn't get all those moments. Like I had two really good friends that introduced me to fantasy football and I played solely in their league for about six or seven years before I even played in a, an another league at all so it was literally just that league year after year and uh i would i would go to their you know their place and draft 
Um, you know, we both, we all, we all live down here in Florida, but all their friends were in New York where they drafted. And, uh, I just never went to the live draft and I never have been had a live draft. And, uh, I don't know. I've been trying to get my friends to do it for a while. Uh, yeah, you need new friends. I think what I'm going to do, you know what? I say that to myself about it twice a day, Uh, but I do think what I'm going to do next year is go up to the Scott fishbowl. If we do have live drafts again next year, I think that was a really good idea. Scott had, and uh, I hopefully we'll get the chance to do it. Well, that'll be a great, great live draft memory. I hope you make that happen. And, and as well as many other drafts with all the friends that I know that you do have there. Uh, What's a sound that you love, Sam? A sound that I love is, uh, oh, I'm trying to think. Um, What sounds do I love? Uh, I got to be honest. The sound that a golf ball makes when a golf club strikes it, when when he hit it pure, is honestly one of the most beautiful sounds. And and not a driver, really an iron, Mm. like really making pure contact with the ball. Yeah. is a great sound to me and uh you know as as a uh very hacky type golfer uh definitely definitely love hearing that sound myself how about a favorite swear word speaking of golf i swear a lot in golf. Yeah, shit. <laughs> definitely shit, shit. Definitely yeah. shit. That's a good one. <laughs> underrated what what's the most leagues you played in in one at one time uh this year i am playing in 29 leagues Woo! wow that's, that's some that scott numbers right there that is yeah. the most. That is the most, yeah. and it is. Uh, I. It's. It's funny. I was saying this the other day uh, to my friends. I said I'm gonna. I said I was gonna cut down on leagues this year. I'm in six more leagues this year than I was in last <laughs> year. Famous last uh, words. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I. I get really ahead of myself, and uh, when Wednesdays are pretty painful for me. Uh, <laughs> I have to set out about two hours to set my lineups on Ooh. Wednesday nights. And, you know, that's with checking everything and double checking everything and doing whatever content I need to for the week. It's it's a it's a royal pain. (laughs) (laughs) Within all those leagues, you have to have some good moments. I'm wondering what your most exciting fantasy football moment has been. Uh, It's a little bit cliche, but the first year when when I won the championship right off the bat, that that was probably the best moment for me. Um, You know, I I've won a decent amount in in my lifetime of playing fantasy but nothing nothing really ever compares to like the first time you won you're like oh cool this is something that uh this is something i might be good at (laughs) i might enjoy so i mean fantasy football is is just proving that you're better than your friends that's (laughs) always been the way i look at it i as a person like to know what the app you know because like we hear that quite often or you hear that quite often like oh i won my first year from like people who then wanted to be in the industry i wonder how many people have lost their first year and still were like, you know what? I still love this. I still hit my veins. You mean like got last place or like, yeah, like they, most people are going to lose. Right. Yeah. Most. Yeah. But it's like most of the time when you hear these stories, it's like, Oh, I won my first year. And that was what made me fell in love with it. I want to know someone who lost their first year and was like, this is still for me. 
it's funny because up until you know two years ago i didn't even know you know what the con you know really what the content industry was uh, i really just kind of stumbled along it you know during the pandemic while i was kind of bored and didn't really have anything to do it was really interesting for me to see that you know it's not just like you know old sportscasters that that do like football content and even fantasy football content like there's a whole group of yo know, younger people uh, certainly there you know there's dads you know there's an older contingent that have been playing for you know 25 30 years but there's there's this whole younger contingent as well you know you have you have uh, Hutchinson Brown's a great example over at football yeah. guys. I mean, he's, mm -hmm. he's 16 years old yeah. and he's already been making content for a year and a half. Like, you know, Luke Sawhook runs the fantasy football club at his university. Like th this is a game that anybody can play. And uh, it, the, the whole thing of making content about it is, is so cool. And, you know, it's so cool that you can do this just as like a hobby. You just need a, a camera, a mic and, you know, a good personality and you know a general knowledge of the game and really anyone can do it yeah game's totally grown that's for sure all right sam what about your favorite game day beverage uh game day beverage for me uh it's definitely switched in the last couple of years it, it used to just be a you know a regular old beer um i'm a big high noon guy personally high noon i can I can yeah. easily, you know, knock down, you know, uh, a 12 pack of noons, it, you know, if I sit at a bar for seven hours, uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's pretty, it, it's pretty easy. Those things are just so good. Uh, what is your favorite movie theater snack? I'm, I'm a classic guy, popcorn all the way. Love it. Last question. Kickoffs in two minutes, Sam, <clears throat> you're still deciding your flex. Do you go with your gut or do you go with your weekly rankings? I go with my weekly rankings. Um, ever since I started making them uh, about two years ago, it's it's gotten me a lot further than my gut, which is notoriously unreliable for me. Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't know what's wrong. Maybe, maybe I get maybe I get like acute indigestion, uh, <laughs> it, but something prevents me from making good gut picks. Uh, I, I find that just relying with my, my first take, you know, my rankings, which are you know typically done uh, on that Thursday. Um, that That's, that's the time for me. That's, you know, what's love best it. for me. A self-aware man. I love it. There's nothing cute about acute stomach digestive <laughs> issues. So that's a fantastic way to approach this. So let's take a look at the game and see how our guts are feeling after this Week one matchup between the Rams and the Buffalo Bills. 31 to 10 was the finish. Let's take a look first at the quarterbacks. Matt Stafford, Josh Allen. Sam, we were doing a bet slip before the game yesterday over on Underdog. And before we craft our bet slips, we kind of talk about the ways we expect this game to shake out. And we were pretty much in consensus. Travi, Johnny, Donnie, and myself, as well as Whisper Nation, thinking this was going to be a shootout with both offenses firing and looking decent. You know, we were aware of maybe some week one, got to still figure it out, but we were expecting these teams to come in sharp. We saw Dallas and Tampa Bay last season come in with a sharp week one on Thursday night. Bills and Rams doesn't get much more exciting than that. One of the teams looked like they understood the assignment, at least second half forward, and that was the Bills. The Los Angeles Rams, though, I, they're, they're still trying to find that syllabus, it looks like. What was your initial take here, just I guess on the game, but also specifically with the quarterbacks, Allen and Stafford, before we move on to the other positions? So um, I'm going to start by harkening back to what I just said. My gut or my initial feeling is always 
typically right for me. My initial feeling was to go with the Bills, and over the course of the week, I talked myself into thinking the Rams would put up a really good fight and make this an interesting game. And I ended up staying away from this game, um, which is not not typical for me. Like I, I just didn't know what to do. Uh, my buddy's house that I went over, they're massive Bills fans, so I also didn't want to be just rooting against them the entire game. Um, I ended up putting most of my props on the Bills. Uh, I thought the Bills would probably win this game. I just wasn't quite sure if you know Stafford would come in. But from the moment this game started, the Rams just seemed off. Um, they ran the same kind of play schedule their first three plays. They, they started with a run every single time, and they kept getting stuffed. Uh, conversely, the Bills started with a pass four out of the first five drives and we're moving the ball down the field really easily. It's just Isaiah McKenzie had the drop that led to an interception. Uh, you know, Allen threw another pick. Um, so, I mean, you know, both teams were trying, uh, came out a little slow. You know, we had, we had all those turnovers really quickly. Um, you know, fumbles from both Zach Moss and, J- and James Cook. So I think both teams Definitely came out a little slow, but definitely came to play. But Buffalo was the only one who stayed to play. Mm-hmm. And uh, that definitely made the difference for me. Johnny, what did you think about Matt Stafford? We talked about the injection, the elbow, the tendonitis. Number five overall quarterback in fantasy last season gets his top weapon in Cooper Cup back. He gets Allen Robinson, loses Bobby Trees, but he does get some other weapons. He, Shaky start, though, 29 for 41, 240 yards, did have a touchdown, but three picks to go along with that as well, and a fumble. How are you feeling about Matt Stafford moving forward? Honestly, the big question for me or the the big note is how much they're that offensive line. They're missing uh, their one of their left. I mean, their left tackle retired uh, and it's showing to be like that's a massive hole now. Uh, they the Bills. Uh, pressured Stafford on 46% of his pass attempts. Uh, the problem was they only blitzed on like 19% of those attempts. They were literally getting to Stafford with four guys. Uh, now I understand, uh, you know, Von Miller is a beast. He still is. Uh, that's why they brought him in there. But you're telling me that you can get that much 46% uh, of the time you're getting pressure with just, you know, four guys. That's, that's where the concern is for me it's not not the wide receivers uh, i mean the running game definitely a concern for me but i you know everyone's you know running away from Allen robinson like this is hey listen like warren buffett said dude, like this is exactly when the bulls step in like if you want to be a bull you come in you get Allen robinson you right track. now you buy him low uh because listen if this was a week five game no one would be saying anything about robinson and how you like they'd be like oh he didn't show up yeah like no uh you know but was wide open on several plays. Didn't t- throw him the. So I'm definitely buying Allen Robinson's. Uh, I am concerned with Cam Akers. Uh, They're going to be hard to get out of if you have Cam Akers. Johnny's internet being provided by the same folks that provided the Los Angeles Rams offensive line right now. Oh man. We're working through it as the Rams work through it as well. When someone says they got good news and bad news, you take the bad news first. We hit that. We're moving to the good news. Travis, talk to me about Josh Allen came in 31 attempts, 26 completions, 297 yards, three touchdowns. Did have a couple of picks, 
on this one, uh, but still got the job done. 10 carries, man. 56 yards rushing. I thought I thought he had some kind of ugly takedowns. People were going for the legs, and they didn't really seem to have a lot of regard for the human condition when Josh Allen was running. But at the same token, Josh <laughs> Allen didn't have a lot of regard for the human condition as well. But that <laughs> Derrick Henry stiff arm to the sidelines and then that sour grapes ankle grab at the end of it. But yep. we were questioning about the rushing attempts. 10 of them, 56 yards, put one yeah. in the end zone, and threw the rock pretty well. Talk to me on Josh Allen. Yeah, he didn't look sharp after the scripted plays on the first drive. Like yeah. then it was like they kind of were getting their bearings. I think Sam talked a little bit about it. You know, obviously the pick from his McKenzie, we had the fumble for from James Cook. It kind of got him out of rhythm in this game. But then it's like when the second half came on, Josh Allen of, of last year came on, the MVP hopeful of this year came on, and uh, he looked great. I thought the disrespect between uh Jalen Ramsey years ago when the Bills picked Josh Allen came to fruition last night because Allen was all over him. Did and, you remember uh, that? Yeah, you I saw think those so. tweets again. Well, I I was like, oh, maybe not. But then I was like looking at this. There's a clip of Josh Allen who runs over Jalen Ramsey on a play and then stays on him and basically humps his face, basically <laughs> like disrespects his face. Now. You could say so he you was did a strong to get up. Yeah, Call it was kind of yeah, it looked like a Call of Duty, but from the front end, he wasn't teabagging. He was <laughs> he was disrespecting his entire family, is what it looked like. So uh, that that a little there was just a little bit of juice in Josh Allen in the second half, and it, and you could, it could show. And if if he's going to start this way, man, he could be making people say, hey, maybe you should. I wouldn't reach on Josh Allen in the, you know in these early rounds, but he's definitely one of the prototypes to be one of the guys. He, he's going for three in a row. Last person to do that at the QB one is Brett Favre. So could see that out of Josh Allen this year. Good start at least. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. You liked what you saw out of Josh Allen if you picked him up. You didn't like what you saw out of Cam Akers unless you were playing against <laughs> him. Sam, can you talk to me about the? Los Angeles Rams backfield here. Cam Akers, we saw him going third, fourth, fifth round. Daryl Henderson in the double digits. The latter there led the way, 13 carries, 47 yards. Uh, had five receptions on five targets, 26 more yards. Akers, three carries. That's all the stats. You can see him right there. Three carries, <laughs> literally nothing else to say on that. No yards, no nothing. Um, and then we did see the rookie involved a little bit, but apparently not enough to be included on the stats here, but how are you feeling about the Rams run game? Where's your panic level? If you drafted cam Akers, where's your appetite level? If you're looking at maybe going and trying to acquire Daryl Henderson. Um, well, starting with cam Akers, uh, I, maybe his MRI is not good. Maybe he's not playing that well in practice. Uh, it, it's notable that, you know, a week ago that Sean McVay said he couldn't run. Like, he couldn't run fully. Like, I think people kind of forgot about that when he practiced him full. But then again, this is the first game of the season. He hasn't played since, you know, last July. Uh, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into the play. Maybe he wanted to, you know, kind of see if he was ready for game action again. Uh, clearly, he was not. McVay said, you know, uh, in a quote, that uh, he kind of needs to grab the opportunities when they're presented to him. This sounds a lot like Brandon Ayuk from last year, you know, who landed in the doghouse early on. But uh, I, I saw a clip uh, right before we came on the show of Cam Akers in pass protection, and he sees the uh, he sees the defender coming through the gap to come try and sack Stafford. And he just splits off in the other direction. Stafford gets absolutely rocked. <laughs> He's like peace. He's like yep. peace. I'm and here. I, I can't tell uh, if, you know, if this is truly a doghouse moment. But 
it wouldn't shock me if he is because we were given no indication that you know cam acres was you know in trouble of any sort sure you know mcveigh said multiple times he wanted to use daryl henderson but we know how mcveigh is he's pretty solitarily focused this didn't look like a 1a 1b this looked like a clear daryl henderson you know uh was is the guy that you want and um i would be cautiously optimistic that Daryl Henderson is the guy to own, at least for the foreseeable future in this backfield. Because, look, I'm not a huge Cam Akers fan, and the reason is this. We've seen him play a handful of games, none of which he was really healthy for. He has one 100-yard game in the last two two seasons. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a big, you know, disconnect between what Cam Akers is and what people think Cam Akers can be. He was, you know, athletic coming out of college, but not overly so. You know, he he was very good in his measurables. But again, this is a guy, you know, who who wasn't an absolute stud in college. He was good enough. He was playing at, you know, Florida State. Uh, you know, not the best offensive line there, but a decent offensive line. And I never truly saw a ton out of Cam Akers to, you know, think that he deserved, you know, his dynasty RB5 ranking last year. And then, you know, all the people pushing him back up this year. Uh, I was always a little more warm on him and uh you know i wasn't ready to crown anything just yet i wasn't expecting this but i i would be lying if i said i expect the cam makers to dominate this backfield especially when you consider he's uh july we are 14 months removed from an injury that no running back has ever successfully come back from so you know that 14 wow. months is is don't, not as long don't, as you don't think tell it is. that to Donta Foreman. Don't tell that to Donta Foreman. But it took him. But it took him four years. Yeah, I'm like, what did he come back to? Yeah. yeah no, so. I, I'm 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 with it. I definitely yeah. think it's gonna. He's gonna be way slow coming back to that injury. Yeah. But. And I feel the same way about James Robinson initially. I mean, you know, we say he has no limitations, but, you know, we also basically said the same thing about Cam Akers. And then here we are. So uh, in response to, you know, how aggressive I want to be on Daryl Henderson, I'd like to go out and get him because I think there's going to be another enough people that don't see this as a clear option and then a backup and more see it as a timeshare. And I think Henderson is trending closer to the, the guy. I like those takes, Sam, and there's some interesting numbers related to how many carries you get in week one, and 13 has been a mark. If you break 13 carries in week one, the odds of you breaking 1,000 yards throughout the season are very high, and if you don't break 13 carries week one, your odds of breaking 1,000 yards over the course of the season are very low. So I like the Daryl Henderson look, Cam Akers not so much. But of course, there are some interesting variables. We'll see how his recovery continues, if at all. On the other side of the football, Johnny, nobody had 13 carries, but we did see more efficient production out of two of the three running backs, at least Singletary and Moss. Singletary, eight carries, 48 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Um, what does FD actually stand for before? You didn't have touchdowns. First down. First down. First down. That's what it is. Yeah. That's what it is. We were trying to figure it out on the stream yesterday with FD. <laughs> couple of first downs appreciate there caught both his targets for 14 yards which was a lot less than zach moss's six but not so many less yards 14 yards in the air for singletary 21 yards on all those six catches there for six moss he had another 15 yards on six carries for a total of 31 36 yards james cook excited to see what he was about 
one carry, two yards, had a fumble. Johnny, how are you feeling about the Buffalo Bills backfield with these this trio of RBs? Uh, not good at all. I mean, Zach Moss uh, did not look good with the amount of carries. I mean, he just barely got two yards like per carry. Singletary, they don't want to give him the full workload. James Cook, he looked explosive on the one carry he got, but he looked ex- explosive hitting that ball out too. So uh, I he he did look like the most exciting back in that backfield. I will be shocked if they don't use him more and more down the stretch. He is a rookie. Of course, he fumbled on the first carry, and he's not the only one, so it wasn't a shock to see him uh, get benched. He probably will be dropped. and uh, you know, If you have to drop him for a waiver wire guy, then, then do it. I just think that he is still the most appealing of these three running backs. I, you know, I keep running through my head and this keeps, you know, history, you know, never repeats, but it, you know, it sure does rhyme. And, you know, you look at this and you look at that saints offense just three years ago, we had, um, you know, Dwayne on here and he compared, Hey, James cook is a lot like Alvin Kamara. Well, what happened mm-hmm. what was in that situation three years ago, you had Mark Ingram, you had Kamara and you had Adrian Peterson, Adrian Peterson ends up getting traded by the deadline. I could really, I'm not saying this is going to happen, uh, but this is why I'm hanging on to James Cook because I could definitely see this happening with, you know, either Zach Moss or Singletary. They're kind of showing them off enough uh, to have a team get somewhat interest. And then now you you have James Cook and Zach Moss or James Cook and Singletary. uh, And I think that that's where it'd be more beneficial. But if you have to drop him now, I understand because it's going to be a mess for, for a little bit here. Yeah, Travis, it looks like this backfield is a bit of a mess. And if James Cook is more involved, as Johnny's suggesting he will be over the course of the season, do you think that comes at Singletary's expense, Zach Moss's expense, or has it just become a three-headed committee? It'll probably come at Zach's Moss expense. When we were talking pre-show, one of the interesting notes I found out was that Zach Moss had 19% of the Bills' target share. 19% for Zach Moss. And like, that's not a guy when you make all this noise to go get JD McKissick and then you, you know, JD McKissick runs back for Washington. God knows why. And then you go and pick up uh, James Cook in the draft and you give 19% to Zach Moss. Uh, that's who I think it would, it would affect. It would affect Zach Moss because he was not explosive to Johnny's point. Now, Johnny talks about the the trade and that would be the exception to the rule. I honestly think I'm a little bit more down on James Cook right now. I do think it's a buy-low opportunity. Scoop him up if you've got the bench spot. But I would say we often don't see somebody, you know, come back from this on, on, on the regular as fast as we want it to. We would want him to get more work, but it, it's a little bit dicey right now coming out of this game. But uh, if Zach Moss is going to continue to look like stone stone legs, then, yeah, I'm, I'm in on stashing Cook right now or buying low off another roster. Hmm. Well, we'll see how that one ends up shaking out. We got uh, we got some question marks at the wide receiver positions. We also got some answers yeah. here at the wide receiver positions. We'll stick with the Bills, Travis. Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, Isaiah McKenzie. Congrats. It's a boy. Happy for you and your family. James Crowder came in there. He was actually looking pretty good. What did you, Travis, could you talk to me about the top half here? I want to get Johnny's take on McKenzie and Crowder. We had a lot of talks on the slot receivers. But Stefan Diggs, Gabe Davis, the two big options for Matt Stafford, both got action, both got touchdowns. Did, did, did you learn anything new or are you shifting your outlook? It almost seems like what we thought was going to happen with Diggs and Gabe Davis happened with Diggs and Gabe Davis. Did you see it any differently, Travis? 
No, I think Gabe Davis kind of showed us what he is. And, you know, Sam will probably, you know, punch me for this one. But Davis is a big play threat. Like, that's what he's going to be. He's not going to get a ton. He's not going to demand a ton of targets. And it's hard to do that when on the other side is Stephon Diggs, you know. So he's not going to demand a ton. But this offense showed the ceiling, right? When they throw a ton, that's what we're going to get. I think this it was like 16% of the targets went, uh, you know, Gabe Davis's way. He's still going to have these weak winning weeks where if you put him in the flex, if you put him in your wide receiver two or three spot, he can really push you over. But I, I have to think with how much Diggs is involved, and this was supposed to be a bad matchup. And I said Josh Allen disrespected uh, Jalen Ramsey. Maybe Stephon Diggs is the one who disrespected him the most last night. Every time I looked at the screen, Jalen Ramsey was on the ground. And, you know, look, Stephon Diggs is that guy. We know that he's going to earn the, the most targets here. Something interesting to note, though, we had a groin situation happening with uh, – with Stefan Diggs coming into the game, and he basically tapped himself out after every catch he made. He came off the field. So I don't know if that was some sort of load management thing or if they're just kind of being cautious with the groin, but it's something to keep an eye on. And it were, were Diggs to miss time, I think then you see some sort of nuclear target share there for Gabe Davis. But, yeah, I liked what I saw out of both of them, and I think they're kind of correctly priced coming in at what we thought, you know, and, and the upside that's there. Absolutely. Johnny, how are you feeling about the slot receivers in Buffalo? That's about as good as the offensive line there. I mean, Crowder did look a lot better than I thought he was going to. (laughs) But maybe not by much. All right. Uh, I don't catch up. But uh, I would say that uh, Isaiah Isaiah McKenzie is still the guy I would – I was going – all right. Well, maybe we'll ask we'll ask Sam that same. <laughs> yeah, he's talking about the slot receivers over there in Buffalo. Mackenzie Crowder was the old like old news. Mackenzie new news. We saw three targets of Mackenzie, four for Crowder. Not a ton of yards for either one, but could be interesting options down the road. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting that they they went back to Mackenzie uh, even after he caused that turnover. Uh, by basically fumbling fumbling the ball through his hands into the Rams' corner's arms on that pick. Um, You know, he he looks a little bit more dynamic, which is obviously expected. He's a lot lot younger than Crowder is. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, but Crowder's a safe target. You know, um, I didn't think Crowder was a big threat coming into this season. I still really don't. I'm, I'm not really sure whether you can depend on either Maybe they're going to neutralize each other out. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think you're going to see something like this every game. Um, you know, there's there's a clear top two, but the fact does remain that Josh Allen has targeted the the slot position the most in the NFL out of the last two seasons, and um, you know, I don't think that's going to change. It's what's worked for him. Sure, you know, Cole Beasley was much more dependable. That's you know, not even a doubt probably a better route runner as well. Um, You know, Crowder has never been able to stay that healthy and McKenzie has never proved anything. So I think you're going to, you're going to see the two basically compete for this role over the course of the season. I wouldn't expect it to get figured out for a while. Yeah. To just to Sam's point, Dwayne McFarland, follow him on Twitter. He's a great follow. He says 55% route participation for McKenzie, 33% for Crowder. So it looks like to your point, 
uh, Sam and Austin, like they're going to eat into each other until we can yeah. figure it out, solidified who's going to be the one guy. I would lean McKenzie. Over yeah, for Fatter. sure. Because he's yeah. got the upside, and I, I think he's a better, I think he's a better route runner, and he's probably more explosive at this point. So he might be. Crowder didn't look bad though. He did like oh, we yeah. thought it was McKenzie in the beginning. Like, ooh, McKenzie's looking crisp. <laughs> yeah. We're like, wait, that's yeah, Crowder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think McKenzie will be the guy they look to in the red zone from the slot position. Mm-hmm. But Crowder, Crowder could be a better use in between the twenties, which is just the most you know insane. Like, I hate this situation. Of, of all time. So. Speaking of hating this situation, Travi, I love you, man. It, the floor is going to be yours on this one. I know you were going through it yesterday. Big Allen yeah. Robinson support coming uh, in. Obviously, it is just week one. There is a lot more ahead. How are you feeling right now? Cooper Cup, amazing game. 15, 15 targets, 13 catches, 128 yards, and a touchdown. What more needs to be said? I wanted to get a, your take, though, on the other pass catchers and how you're expecting them moving forward with the small sample size we just got. Yeah, so I've been combing Twitter today, looking at the athletics, some of the reasoning behind what McVeigh was saying, what Stafford was saying. Um, you know, McVeigh came out of that press conference and said, I want to get um, – we didn't get into a flow. That was his explanation for him and, and Akers not being involved, him being Allen Robinson. But Stafford said something interesting today, that there was a lot of zone played, and basically that, you know, where Robinson wins is man coverage, and that's not a great – thing you want to hear is that Allen Robinson didn't get plays because he can't beat zone. But what we did see is that Cooper Cup's one of the best zone beaters there is, uh, uh, you know, maybe of all time. And so he was beating zone a lot last night. The line that we've talked about extensively was a big issue for what was happening. You looked at some of the film from all 22. You saw a lot of Allen Robinson getting open at some times too. So that's an encouraging sign. They just need to get the line right. If the line can give Stafford more time, plus the squeaky wheel of McVay, I think that there are better days ahead for Robinson. But I do, I do admit that Game one was a sign of like maybe it's not as it's not as safe as we thought it could be as a number two in the Rams offense. It, there could be more volatility than we had signed up for. Yeah. Hear it on that. Before we move over to the rest of the NFL, after we got this broken down, I want to take it just a second in the chat. Marty, what's going on? Great to what have Marty? you with us. Uh, three to Monte. Great to have you here, too. Sorry about starting Acres. Would you replace him with Stevenson or CEH? I I would until we see better things out of Acres. Mm-hmm. Me personally on that. Oh, well, which uh, one? I'd lean CEH to start the year, but uh, we'll see what happens with the usage uh, of Stevenson going forward too. Yeah, who Sam? Who would you start this week? CEH or Madre Stevenson? Um, let's see. Miami's run defense versus Arizona's. I'd probably lean Stevenson. Okay. So go Very with suddenly. what your one feeling. It's a close call. So you got to go with your call through to Monte. Best of luck. Pratham coming in here. What's up? Thanks for joining us. Should I trade Higgins for Allen? That's Keenan Allen. Oh, that's Keenan Allen. Yes. Yeah. Or actually, no, no, you should, you should keep Higgins. I'd keep Higgins. Um, You might lean that way in a PPR, maybe if you want safety, but I I still like Higgins' upside a little bit more than Allen's for sure. I'm with you there. In PPR, maybe you give some consideration. Austin Eckler recently just said that Keenan Allen's going to catch 100 passes this season. But he does that every year. 
And he's always a wide receiver one, which he has never been, but we just like to get excited about what we saw and extrapolate that over the course of an entire season, which has not yet happened, but Hey, it might. He's young. Reasonable people. We're unreasonable. Right. There we go. go. So, yeah, I think, I think the panel's here. Oh, last, last question before we jump over into our news. Yes. I trade Darnold Mooney for Gabe Davis. Yes. Sam's higher than we are on Gabe Davis, but I think we're all going to go with a big old hoorah yes minus Scott in the chat who hasn't showed up. <laughs> but we like that trade. Yes, do that yeah. and enjoy it. Moving on here, we've got our rest of the NFL. More, more teams are around than just played on Thursday. Rondale Moore with the Arizona Cardinals. Man, this one's kind of a bummer. I was really excited to see him go, and he's going to be out week one against the chiefs. Zach Ertz is questionable with a calf injury against the chiefs. Sam, you were talking a lot about Zach Ertz. Can you talk to me on your concern level and expectations for Zach Ertz, given the recent bit of news here? Yeah. So, I mean, I would put, you know, my, my expectations for Zach Ertz at like a six and a half out of 10 right now. Um, he was, pra- he was back to back to four or, you know, he was on the field uh, at Friday's practice and he did practice today as well uh, or today's Friday. Um, so I don't know what I'm talking about, but <laughs> I, I'm look, I'm confident, you know, the Chiefs are not, you know, the most unforgiving defense out there. And I'm very high on Zach Ertz's ability to run this offense. Uh, he's It's an offense he's much more suited to than the offense that the Eagles currently run, which is very run heavy and dependent on 12 personnel, which Ertz never liked to play in. But the air raid is a lot more friendly. And uh, with, with Rondell Moore out and uh, DeAndre Hopkins suspended, Ertz is going to have to step up and be the primary red zone threat for Kyler Murray this week. Um, I just think that AJ Green is dust. And, you know, basically, you know, I don't understand people that think he's a factor because I just don't. And the uh, nostalgia is powerful, baby. Yeah. Well, no, it it has to do with because the fact that he is playing the Hopkins role while Hopkins is out. That is why, like, he is going to get a, you know, 20% market share minimum. That's what, I mean, he was seeing 15 He was on the field all the time last year. Yeah. Right. He just didn't, he didn't do a ton. He didn't do a ton with his, his snap share last year and right. i noticed that because I, I was extremely overweight on on aj green last year and underdog uh i did not make that mistake this year uh it, it is important to note that Ertz had the the fifth most red zone targets in the nfl last season as well so for me he he's the red zone guy for me uh like you know Mar- hollywood brown has never been a red zone guy in his career ones uh he's he kind of struggles to track the ball a little bit because he's a little short to you know like he he's good at running down the field and you know he'll, he'll do a ton of work between the tackles and he'll have a ton of long touchdowns for the cardinals this year but the red zone is not where he thrives uh that for the at least the first that uh eight you know six weeks to me is i wonder if we'll territory. see i wonder if we'll see kyler murray running a lot more in the red zone mm. without these kind of weapons without hopkins and you know kind of work on on yeah i mean definitely Ertz can can uh, benefit here, but I'd love to yeah. see Murray run a little bit more in That's, the red zone. Yeah, I hope he does. I right, I think we all kind of hope that he mm-hmm. does. He's the fastest guy in the field. Travi, is there anybody on the Cardinals offense you're now starting in your fantasy lineup outside of Kyler Murray, Hollywood Brown, James Connor? Well, I've Let's been say, asked. Let's just call with Zach Ertz, but are you, are you going any other Cardinals players before we move on? 
No, I think that's about right. You know, you're going like Ertz on his injury call. I love Kyler Murray. I love Marquise Brown. But I, you know, I've had a couple questions in Discord via text about AJ Green. And I think he's a fine start if you're in like a multi-flex situation. If you're in a deeper roster 16 team, mm -hmm. I think that's where you can push him in there. But I know that's a little more nuanced. But mm -hmm. Moving on here to our Atlanta Falcons, where we're expecting not a ton, but they do have some really exciting players. Drake London has been one of them, Travi. They're going to be making a decision on Drake London because he got because of his knee week one on Saturday. That's going to be tomorrow. So he's clearly not 100% coming into his first game, but this is a very talented wide receiver. First one drafted off the board in a year that had a lot of wide receivers going in the first 15 picks, first two rounds. Do you have any confidence in Drake London in your lineups this week? I don't have a ton of confidence in Drake London this week. Um, there is room to have uh, this New Orleans secondary. They've lost some key pieces. They traded away Gardner Johnson. But I do think this is a welcome to the NFL game. You know, you don't want to really trust in your rookie. You didn't have to – you didn't draft Drake London to start him this week. He's definitely a guy you put, you know, deeper down and, and you hope he gets in. But really the reason I want to see Drake London in this is for Kyle Pitts. I want to see Drake London outside, put Kyle Pitts inside, and have him on linebackers and, and smaller defenders, and, and let's go with Kyle Pitts breakout that's what i'm in on let's go with kyle pitts any other people we're starting if if drake london i don't, I don't think we really are right we're getting kyle pitts cordero patterson, patterson yeah uh, you, you might you have could, to you you can start him yeah if you if you're in that situation i would urge against it last year saints number two defense against running back it's a really, really strong good. front and uh, it's just a fade that I, I am on this week. I like Patterson, but again, I think he's similar to London where unless you went zero RB, he's your RB2. You kind of rock him in there, but yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, moving over now to the Baltimore Ravens. J.K. Dobbins been working with Jesus Christ himself on getting his knee rehabbed. It takes time. It's a growing process. That is life. He's questionable. Week one against the Jets. They say Dobbins was limited again in Friday's practice. Evident he's not 100% off his ACL surgery. Dobbins has been adamant, passionately so, all summer about being ready for the opener, even if all the reports haven't been as optimistic. He might play. That doesn't mean you have to play him. What are you doing, Sam, with J.K. Dobbins? Yeah, I, I probably would not play him this week, whether he plays or not. Um, and this is uh, it, it's tough with Dobbins because you really just don't know. The Ravens aren't a team that's typically forthcoming. Harbaugh hates talking about injuries. Like it's it's one of the things he hates the most and typically doesn't like to answer questions about them. Um, you know, I, I thought it was telling that Lamar basically slipped in his press conference about uh, Dobbins still being a couple weeks away. You know, he basically said, you know, we'll see, you know, we'll see in a couple weeks how he looks. And uh, that, that definitely is, uh, you know, sticks in my mind because I think players are a lot more honest than, you know, we kind of expect. So when something like that comes out, I'm going to pay attention to it. It, you know, the last video we saw of Dobbins, he had a slight limp. So... Sam, no, I'm a little worried. Don't say it out loud, dude. Dobbins will be coming for you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> right. hey, came, you're on, you're on camera now. Came from my buddy Adam Koffler, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, Adams, Adams, uh, you know, a very smart guy. You know, he wasn't wasn't victory lapping anything. Wasn't saying anything. He was just noticing what he saw in the video. And uh, I I agree. Like I'm I'm not really sure. And I'm a huge Dobbins fan. I think he's so ultra talented. 
And, you know, once he gets a true shot, then he's going to really, really dominate. Um, but I just don't think we see the true him for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, quickly, Jersey Jay asking, Brees Hall or Patterson? I would actually lean Patterson in this situation in a full-point PPR. Just haven't seen Brees on the field yet. I know that at least Patterson's the starter and that they're probably going right. to use him in the passing game with a ding- with a dinged-up London and and just lack of weapons over there. So I, I would yeah. lean in that case. Um, I'm just keeping an eye on the usage for Hall. I think there's upside there. I just want to see it first. Yeah, I think I think we start the season seeing some seeing some Michael Carr. I view that situation a lot like the Javante Melvin situation. Mm-hmm. That's going to start pretty close, and it's going to start you know going like this as the yeah. weeks go on. There's so. no reason why Hall shouldn't separate talent wise, mm-hmm. but it just seems like the team is set on Michael Carter starting the year as their guy, and then we'll yeah, see. And this is kind of what goes there. This is what teams have done, you know, the past couple of years. They're starting yeah. to really emphasize a two back system, and it's it's you know uh, the casual fantasy players really just starting to come around to this being a normal thing. This is this is the future of fantasy football. You're going to have to try and decipher which back is going to get the most work on any given week. It's going to make fantasy a lot tougher, but it's also going to make it a lot funner because there'll be less of a you know a talent divide. The 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 era of the workhorse is fading from the NFL. It mm-hmm. is fitting. We'll see. We'll see if that ends up coming back around as it shifts. There's definitely more opportunities to go different directions mm-hmm. with your backfield, you know, and then there's a Derek Henry, you know, who still does mm-hmm. what he does. There will be another 250 pound sub four, four 40 running back. Eventually it's just how it goes. We'll see, but these are really important points to note, as you mentioned there and to reiterate a little of what you guys both said, leaning the Cordero Patterson over Brees Hall. We mentioned this on the stream last night, even if a new situation, one that we didn't have last year, but we're having it this year. If it's new, even if it makes a lot of sense, there are no guarantees in life, especially though in sports. And so to think that something that hasn't yet happened is all of a sudden going to be such as Brees Hall getting 20 carries in week one, like you can't bank on that. Like take what you've seen at least in week one until you've actually seen Mm -hmm. something happen. Moving forward, and shout out to Lamar Jackson who didn't get his deal done, but that really shouldn't have an impact on your fantasy team. The Carolina Panthers, though, this is a squad that might have some impacts on fantasy teams. Christian McCaffrey's shin was removed from the week one injury report. Travis, how good they removed his shin. They removed his shin. Oh, I yeah. just feel great. It was funny, Sam. I bet you could speak to this too. How how funny was Twitter when he p- got put up on the injury report? And then if you didn't do your own digging, you just let the wave of anxiety wash over you because what happened was he took a cleat to the shin. Okay, he got cut on the shin, guys. Like, uh, it's not that big of a deal. They took him off the injury report. He's fine. But it was just funny to see Twitter and the whole universe react to a guy that everybody wants to be put into a bubble. <laughs> I I, uh, I cut my hand yesterday. Uh, there are rumors that I am also <laughs> on the injury report <laughs> yes. and uh, will be out cut. the rest of the season. So, <laughs> right. uh, you know, I there, there were rumors that uh, CMC had his whole shin removed from this cleat injury. Mm, yeah. This is just people, you know, getting really bored. You know, we, we have a long 48 hours between yesterday's game and Sunday's no game. Um, CMC is going to be absolutely fine. He Let's is go. the RB1 this year. What about Robbie <laughs> Anderson, who was not listed on Wednesday's injury report, has been practicing in full, was notorious for the no tweets after rumors of Baker Mayfield going to Carolina surfaced. Well, fast forward. Sam Darnold's on the IR. 
Baker Mayfield is rocking a light blue headband. He's a Carolina Panther. He's your quarterback, Robbie Anderson. Sam, is Robbie Anderson in your starting lineup or is any other pass catcher for Carolina outside of DJ Moore in your lineup? No. No, nah, nah, he's, he's not. And it's just it, he, uh, Robbie, whether he spells his name with an IE I or a Y, has, uh, <laughs> has kind of, you know, passed his time in, in my lineups. Uh, he wasn't drafted in a lot of home leagues. I think that's a sign that people are finally starting to move on from Robbie Anderson. And I think we're moving on from Robbie Anderson over now to T Higgins, a slightly more exciting wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals. Slightly, (laughs) right? We just got a question about trading Keenan Allen, T Higgins involved in that T Higgins. Here he is back from Brackman shoulder injury, returned to practice earlier this week after having shoulder surgery and being limited for most of the summer. He might not be 100%, but for your fantasy decisions, I don't think this has any impact, Travis. Are you wheeling Are you wheeling Higgins out with confidence? Or if you have other options, like at a mid, let's say like a Brandon Ayuk, we comment, there's excitement for Brandon Ayuk. He's got upside, but there's also big question marks. But question marks are not surrounding him with health like they are with T. Higgins. Are you getting Higgins out with confidence, or would you wait and see? No, I think you can roll them out there. As we get higher up in the draft capital that you paid for guys, I'm okay with rolling them out there. You know, we were talking about guys you'd maybe bench like a Drake London because you want to see it first, uh, especially with the injury. T. Higgins played through the same injury last year. I mean, pretty much a lot of the year down the stretch and still balled out. So he played with the injury, then got the offseason surgery, cleaned it up, came back full practice this week. So you like to see that, or at least as, as far as I know, it was a full practice. Um, but I just, I think this game in general is really exciting when you look at the Bengals versus the Steelers, because the Steelers defense where they win is up front, that front seven and where the Bengals tried to put all their money and their resources in was the offensive line. So we're going to see really fast, what kind of team the Bengals can be if their line is great. And we're going to see the wide receivers, you know, where, where Pittsburgh is, is kind of, bad on the defensive end is at the corners we're going to see t higgins jamar chase against bad or you know subpar corners and i just love this matchup i think since he's defense versus pittsburgh i think you know obviously the t higgins joe burrow stuff where how they're going to be aggressive as as passing uh versus run ratio all of that is in play in this matchup so i'm excited for that Mm -hmm. yeah we got some updates on Joe Burrow. He's coming back. Yeah, that appendectomy. Lost some weight. He's going to be on the field. You're starting him in your lineup. We'll see how it all shakes out, and we'll be sure to chop all of that up. And we're not going to chop anything up with the Cleveland Browns. We're going to move it on now to the Dallas Cowboys, where I know that Michael Gallup has been ruled out. He's not going to play week one against the Buccaneers. That's not great news for Dak Prescott, but no concerns for Dak Prescott coming from his head coach, Mike McCarthy, about that ankle. That is good news, Sam. Any uh, we, we got CeeDee Lamb rocking. I imagine if Dak Prescott is your best option at quarterback, that's who you're starting. I guess my biggest question mark here would be any other pass catchers that you've got an eye on in week one. And then let's get uh, your take on the running back situation there. Zeke and Pollard has been a, a contentious subject all offseason. Yeah, so the only other pass catcher I, I want in this game is Dalton Schultz. Mm. Um, you know, I think they're just going to feed him out of necessity. But teams were willing to let Dallas beat them with Schultz last year out of necessity. And I feel like they're going to do the same this year. The 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 kind of consensus feeling around, uh, you know, our little industry at this point is kind of that, you know, Schultz is 
you know, passable, but he's nothing special. You know, he'll, he'll compiler. He'll, I like a compiler. Yes, mm-hmm. he'll beat you if he beats you, but he, you know, he's not going to do anything crazily athletic. Yeah. You know, he's he's not he's not going to kill you. He might, you know, have you know five for sixty and a score, but uh, you know, his his ceiling is not a ton higher than that. I'm I'm pretty much down on this passing attack as a whole. Uh, you know, CD's the only one that speaks strikes or you know speaks out to me, and uh, he, even he might have some trouble getting all the attention on him. Kind of how Juju Smith Schuster uh, did once he separated from Antonio Brown. But mm. uh, you know, this passing attack is is a little weird. And uh, look, the offensive line is horrendous there, mm. and that's uh, been such a strength for them for so yeah. long. Yeah, this whole narrative of this current chapter of the Dallas Cowboys, like leading with an amazing offensive line, different story now. Yeah, and uh, it's it's obviously notable they signed Jason Peters this week. Uh, he didn't look great with the Bears last year, but he was, I guess, he was passable. I think they would have been better off throwing Tyler Smith out there. Maybe he was just so bad uh, since Jerry's a bad drafter that he's just you know not not the answer. Uh, but Terrence Steele on the other side, th- this should be an exploitable offensive line for teams. And they have one of the best defensive lines in the Bucks coming coming in this week. So uh, that's definitely a storyline to look for there. And as far as the running backs go, um, I definitely think that Zeke is going to be the guy this year. And, and they've said as much. And I generally trust what Jerry Jones says. He's not a guy who's, you know, overly scheming. He Why wears, would he? He's, he's so honest. <laughs> yeah, he, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He don't give a fuck. He says, he he says what he means. on his sleeve. Yeah, he, he's, he's, I'm Jerry Jones. I'm the richest guy in the NFL. I know it. I'm the most powerful owner there is, you know, and I'm going to say what I want. I'm going to do what I want. And I'll show uh, you our draft picks, baby. I'm Jera. I'm Jera. That's that's Jerry Jones. So you know, they're gonna play him. He's he's their guy. They gave him the crappy contract. You know that he's Zeke's gonna be the guy they're going with, and uh, he'll probably be out of there this after this season. And then you know the problem is there is Tony Pollard too old at that stage to make new new favorite. And then I I just want to. Yeah, I just want to jump in really quick before the Tolbert thing, because Sam said something interesting earlier. He said we're all unreasonable people, and I think that is true because we're all here screaming for Tony Pollard, yet the narrative has been not the one we want. It's been Zeke on the contract, as Sam says. I agree with that. We were talking about that all offseason. Something interesting to note, though, and we want this every year because we're unreasonable people, but we want two backs on the field at the same time. Mm -hmm. We want that other back catching passes. And, you know, every year we're like, that didn't happen. You know, it never really happens the way we want it. This year could be different, you know, it could be. People, it could because be. there's so many. Yes, they need the targets in it. And then in this game and specifically, I just want to point out last year, Tampa Bay bottom five against points to the running back position, but top five in receiving yards led up to running backs. So there is maybe room for Tony Pollard to make a little bit of noise this week as a desperation flex play for you. I think he could be, especially in PPR leagues, I think he could be somebody you could look at. Although we could be sitting here and going, Zeke got all the targets too by Monday, and that would be disappointing. And you know yeah. what I'm going out. The, the, speaking of targets, chat's popping off about Tolbert. Yeah. We liked him as a rookie dart throw, galloping out, brings his stock up. But in week one, 
how desperate do you have to be to start Tolbert? I'm not going to recommend. Pretty desperate when when they've been saying uh, Noah Brown yeah, is a wide receiver yeah, exactly. too, and and Noah Brown's a good blocking wide receiver. That yeah. that's what he's he's always been good at. Like he's he's that guy. He's he's six two two twenty. He's going to be out there blocking. And Man after Jerry's heart, right there. Unless they run a lot of three, I don't. I just don't see them running a lot of three wide receiver sets with, with, the, that with line, the personal yeah. that they yeah. have and that line. It just doesn't make sense. They need to keep someone back uh, for pass pro, and it's going to necessitate a lot of uh, a lot of CD Lamb. Like he he's just there every single time. Like Dak, F it, CD's down there somewhere. Travi, it's time. Let's ride. <laughs> Albert Let's O. You're right. God, we can't help ourselves. Alberto expects to play week one. KJ Hamler's been covering from his ACL. He was limited in Thursday's practice, uh, but it's still looking like he's going to be playing, as is Javante Williams. And that's a more interesting one. Speaking Friday Broncos, coach Nathaniel Hackett said he's a true believer in you want to roll with a hot hand. When discussing the running back situation between Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, that could be good news for Javante Williams if he gets to a hot start. That could be not so good news if he starts off just a little bit slower and Melvin Gordon hits some holes quickly. Does this change any of your outlook or any of your starters, Travis, in, in Denver? No, and actually I think it makes a little bit of room for Melvin Gordon. I put him in my article yeah. this week as a start because – Seattle was a pass fun or they were a run funnel defense. Basically, they were good against the pass because everybody just ran the hell piss out of the ball against him, especially uh, through the air, kind of similar to Tampa Bay, where they gave up a lot of yards as uh, receiving backs. But my point being that I think even if it's a 60 40 split for Javante, I think Melvin could have some work in this game and he could be a guy, especially their their big road favorites in this. I think they're the biggest favorite on the week. Uh, maybe San Fran a little bit more, but I, I love this uh, setup for the running backs. I'm actually a little bit nervous about the passing attack for Russ because one, this team knows him. That's the strength of Seattle is the secondary. And we have a little bit of question marks outside of Cortland Sutton on this team. Is Jerry Judy going to be the guy? Is Albert O going to get on the field? KJ Hamler's a little dinged up. We got some things working here. So a little bit nervous, but it is revenge game. It is Monday night. Russ plays well under the lights. I'm excited, man. We'll have that watch party rocking, but it's, it's going to yeah. be fun. Yeah, I'm really excited about this team. I think we all are to see how well this unit. Let's want to ride, baby. Let's ride. Let's ride, ride on it. Let's go. No new news out of Detroit. Green Bay, though. Alan Lazard's mm-hmm. been a popular pick. He's going to be – he's doubtful. I'm not starting him in Dynasty. He's been pulled out of my flex. I'm putting Brandon Ayuk in there. Um, any, But Robert Tunyon, some good news. He was removed from the injury report. He's going to play, but he has been slow to recover. And at least for me, this almost felt like a uh, shit. We got Lazard out. Hey, that knee's feeling all right, isn't it, Tunyon? You're feeling better, aren't you, buddy? That's how it at least kind of hit me. Sam, where's your confidence level on the pass catchers out of Green Bay? If you got to start one of them with Lazard out, who's it going to be? It's Sammy Watkins week, baby. It's week one. This is the consensus in perpetuity. Sammy Watkins ball out week. And then you can drop it. You can drop him on Tuesday. You you know, he's not going to produce for the rest of the year. So (laughs) this week, all all the stars are lining up. In in all honesty, in all honesty, though, the only wide receiver on this team I care about with Al Lazard out is Aaron Jones. So he's he's the guy that that Lazar, that Rogers is going to have the most trust in aside from, you know, ro- you know, purely rotation guys like Randall Cobb and, uh, you know, Tanyan 
could probably play a decent role as well. But look, we all know Aaron Rodgers relies on trust. He's never really had a rookie that, you know, has had a true breakout season. Didn't happen to Jordy Nelson. Didn't happen to Greg Jennings. Didn't happen to Devontae Adams. So, and it didn't happen to Randall Cobb either. So none of these guys broke out until their second or third season. So uh, look, Christian Watson hasn't, you know, practiced a lot this summer due to surgery that he had. And Romeo Dobbs, who has been a, you know, a training camp and preseason darling is still just a rookie. And, you know, I'm, I'm not willing to push this thing off on Rogers in, until he actually does it. Rogers doesn't like throwing the ball to rookies. He just doesn't believe in them. So I'm going to go with the guys that have been on the team for a while. And other than that, I'm going to, you know, stay away until I get some clarity uh, on everything because I'm just not ready to trust it yet. I ex- I think that's a great take, and I expect to see a couple possibly of Green Bay Packers players popping up on waiver articles. You know, a Randall Cobb ends up catching two touchdowns like we saw him do against the Cardinals when Devontae Adams was out last season. Or uh, a Dubs does pop off. Or, hey, if Christian Watson comes in and has a breakaway touchdown using that blazing speed he came in with, then, you know, he's going to be flying up on waiver wire pieces too. But, yeah, I'm with you. This week, Sammy Watkins for me. I think Travis is is there as well. Um, yeah, I, and I also think, like, Watson, Watson is – we talked a little bit about Watson. I think it's a decent stash to stash Watson if he's available because mm-hmm. if we see him come out and, like, rise above and become a guy that he can trust in that game, like no drops comes out of it, then maybe we could see a little shift in narrative because, yes, they've never thrown to rookies, but they don't typically always use this kind of capital on rookies either. Right. And Rodgers at the twilight of his career. He's trying to make plays and get it done. I could see something emerging, and, and maybe that's the fan in me talking, but I think he's worth a stash just to see what happens. Yeah, definitely worth a stash. I just I'm not starting any, yeah, any yeah, wide sure. receivers outside of Lazard for the time being. Yeah, the question here, what about Cobb then? Cobb to me is like a slightly, it's a desperate flex. Like yeah, if you've got to go with him. Player. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all if he ends up getting, you know, like 37 yards and two touchdowns you oh, know, on yeah. a handful of catches because he could very well serve as that safety blanket for Rodgers. You mentioned it. He trusts is important. Cobb's got the trust. Cobb just doesn't really have the legs anymore. Hey, but shout out Randall Cobb, who at one point was the youngest NFL player ever score a touchdown he was i don't even think he was 21 years old yet he wow. ran back a kick playing on a sunday night game and i remember the announcers being like and he is the youngest player in the nfl to ever score a touchdown but that was a very long time ago and his legs are not as quick as they were at that point so start him with some just some just don't don't start him. uh don't do it don't do it <laughs> uh texans damian pierce in the starting spot royce freeman he got let go my question really is just, we know that Damian Pierce is in there. How confident are we starting him this week? Is he a recommended start or is he a wait and see? What so do you think, Sam? I'm, I'm going to go back and reference uh, m- our buddy, friend of the show, Dwayne McFarlane again. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing rests on how much percentage of uh you know market share that pierce is able to get if he's stuck in the 60 to 65 percent mostly rushing and maybe a target here or there then it becomes you know a little bit questionable but he if he's able to kind of get into that 80 percent range and has a few targets and i i really think he will this week uh then damian pierce becomes a really, really good option. And I'm a, you know, I'm a massive Damian Pierce fan. I'm a Gators fan. So take this with the bias that, that it contains, but 
Damian Pierce has portrayed a three down skill set mm-hmm. ever since he got to Florida. And Dan Mullen is really kind of an idiot. So didn't use him a lot. Just, just didn't use him. Uh, you know, he also he also played uh, Emory Jones over Anthony Richardson. He benched Kadarius Tony. Like, yeah, he was. Yeah, he's just not yeah. a not a smart you know personnel coach. <laughs> so obviously not a smart person. Yeah. <laughs> also applicable here. Um, I see Damian Pierce as a guy who can be really efficient. Uh, Here's the thing. We always talk down on these day three running backs as guys who can't stick, but it's it's a lot of times that those those profiles aren't friendly. You know, either they're under two hundred pounds or they're five foot seven or you know maybe they're six foot two, but you know they're one hundred ninety pounds and they're built like a wide receiver. Damian Pierce is built like a prototypical running back in the NFL. He's five eleven. He's two hundred and fifteen pounds. He is everything that you want, and he was one of the most efficient running backs in college football last season. So I'm I'm in on Damian Pierce. He's got a great schedule down the stretch more than anything. He has three out of four of the playoff week's favorable matchups. So I really like Damian Pierce. Indy's a little bit of a tough defense to go against right away. Uh, I would definitely have a little bit of caution. Uh, Shaq Leonard's out. That, that's definitely very notable for the indie defense. But Damian Pierce is one of my guys this year, and I think he really breaks out. So, Travis, are you starting him in Dynasty? I am, only that's because I have J.K. Dobbins issues. So I'm going to yeah. definitely start him in Dynasty. But I would say this in my article in redraft leagues, I put Damian Pierce as a fade. And that's really not on Pierce. It's about seeing the situation, as our buddy Sam said, with that market share. But not even just the rushing market share. I want to know what they're going to do with Rex Burkhead. Is Rex Burkhead going to be the passing down back? Because then if he's not a three down back in this kind of game script and spoiler, probably all the game scripts for Texans, you know? So if he's not the passing down back, we're going to have some tough times because you're going to be very touchdown dependent. Now, if he is, which as Sam alluded to, I'm in on Pierce being a three down back. It just has to happen. Lovey yeah. Smith, they'll put him in bubble wrap. I think they definitely want it to happen. Um, so it's just a matter of when, not if. Look, everything they've said this offseason about Pierce, like screams that they want to use him. They they named him. Yeah. They named him the back. They held him out of the preseason games with the starters. Like everything says that he's gonna get the opportunity to lead them. And Look, Rex Burkhead is is Rex Burkhead. He's he's you know a New England running back to the core. He's he's very good at what he's good at. Hercules, uh, but he's he's just he's just a guy. Yeah, he's a jag. <laughs> he's yeah. just a guy. We are moving over now to the Las Vegas Raiders. We expect tight end Darren Waller to receive a fatty extension, five years, sixty two million. This is kind of like. This is kind of feeling like our predictions, though, on Darren Waller, where, hey, it's very respectable, but maybe your best days are behind you in terms of a production standpoint. Any, do we got any hardcore Darren Waller supporters in this? In this hardcore general, yeah. just a general. No, I, I mean I like him as a player. You know, obviously I think he's he was he's a great his guy. Story, his, yeah, his story he's, he's is fantastic. Nice yeah, <laughs> I just I have a, a, a gut feeling he's the odd man out this year. He may have touchdown games. He may have these. He I think he goes to more of a middle of a low you know low end tight end one than he's yeah. been before, and that's because Devontae Adams huge touchdown threat. 
uh, Hunter Renfro, a bit of a breakout last year. There's just more target competition for him, and I, I don't know that that's necessarily a good thing. Sometimes it can be, you know, but uh, I'm not in it as much on Waller uh, this year as I was last year. Yeah, I'm not feeling that one. Sam, are you starting Josh Jacobs? This week, uh, I am. I'm. I'm not this week. I'm a little bit concerned that in you know this. This feels like a kind of barn burner game. It's you know J.C. Jackson probably not in the the Raiders secondary has never been that great. Like these are two quarterbacks that could easily go over five thousand yards this season with the wide receivers to match it. Uh, mm-hmm. I expect a lot of points in this game, and. The the Chargers are quietly a, a pretty solid and uh, upgraded team on the on the defensive line front. They picked up Khalil Mack this offseason. I think he plays a really big role for them. Joey Bosa is back to being healthy. I, I think the the Chargers kind of sell out to stop the run and uh, will probably rely on their really gifted uh, passing game to beat the Raiders this week. I think Josh Jacobs might get lost in the shuffle. Yeah, I think you're right. Speaking of a great passing game, though, Miami is on the up with Tyreek Hill coming on board, looking good in the offseason. And Jalen Waddle, some good news, was removed from the week one injury report. He's going to play against the Patriots. Travis, is he going to play for you? I think I'd be interested in starting Waddle, especially because we've seen Belichick take away your best weapon. And I love Waddle as much as the next guy, but Tyreek Hill probably still the best weapon on the Dolphins. So I think there'll be a lot of attention towards uh, Tyreek Hill's way. I'm enticed by this matchup all across the board. We've got McDaniel taking on Belichick yes. in that kind of face-off. That's going to be great. The stone but, face versus like the, the 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 silly face. I don't. Yeah, know. exactly. Like, I, I the it, best way. Like I love Mike yeah, McDaniel. The that personality was, dichotomy is great. The, yeah. Yeah, the, the coaching fast. dichotomy is great. I'm interested who, you know, we're Chase Edmonds taken off the injury report. I'm interested to see of Mostert and Edmonds who have both not been this in their career. Like who's the goal line back? Who is the goal line back? Cause if it is Edmonds, then we were wrong on Edmonds ADP wise this entire year. And he should have been going higher. Uh, we liked Edmonds coming in. They cut Sony Michelle. So who's the goal line back there? And then probably yeah, I, I'm probably yeah, you think it'll be Mostert. What do you, what yeah, do you think on the, on the backfield situation here, Sam? Uh, I'm a big Chase Edmonds fan this year. I, I think that everything they've said kind of sticks to him. Uh, look, Moster is going to be as, but Moster is a very interesting option. And as long as he stays healthy, and that's a huge knock on wood. Yeah. Uh, I think Moster has a real chance to cut into chase Edmonds workload uh but i do think chase Edmonds is the guy they want in the passing game a hundred percent of the time and he's earned the chance to be good on early downs as well he's he's a very a, you know quietly solid runner of the football but mostert's speed is you know definitely not nothing to scoff at and i think as long as he's healthy he could make things interesting in that backfield yeah, and then that's another way. Of, we're talking about Waddle getting in because of Tyreek Hill coverage. It's another way for Edmonds to get uh, some uh, – you look at uh, New England last year, top five in receiving yards allowed to running back. So another good opportunity here to see what happens. So we got some opportunities to weigh in New England. And I think yes. this is actually kind of a meaty subject right now. We got Ty Montgomery. It's questionable to play week one. He's carted off preseason finale. Made it back to practice this week, getting in three limited sessions. This is a weird one, right? Like I gets carted off late into the off season and then it would be a Belichick thing. Be like, no, the guy actually ends up leading us in all touches for our backfield. Now, I don't really think that that's a joke, but Jonah Gray was real. 
So, like, you can't totally take it off the uh. table. And so my question is, Ramondre Stevenson looks awesome, but, uh, like, so did uh, – <laughs> it's – doesn't mean it's always going to go the way we predict it will. And we don't have a lot to base our predictions off of in week one. We just know that Ty Montgomery has been back to practice this week. How does that affect Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson? We're not going to start Ty Montgomery. We know that. you got to be in like a 45-person league if you're considering that. Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris, they're both drafted in the single digits. What are you doing there? And then I want to know about the pass catchers. Jacoby Myers was the one and only in a PPR situation last season. It's questionable week one. Um, limited in practice all week. Just trying to be deceitful here, it says, as the Patriots like to be. We expect him to be there, but we don't know if that means you want him to play or maybe you're leaning Devontae Parker. Last bit on Mac Jones. The, uh, athletics, Chad Graff believes that Patriots could abandon their new offensive scheme should they struggle early in the office? What the fuck? You're going to abandon your whole offensive scheme? <laughs> like, this is, and, this, and pick up Matt, your backup offensive scheme? What do you mean? Matt oh, Patricia man. is so bad. Yeah, dude. Oh, I, I love. I, I gotta. I gotta say some. I gotta Just say something that him. doesn't have anything about anything about uh, the Patriots. I love the the roto world uh blurb blurbers and i i know uh you know they take turns whether it's kyle whether it's denny whether it's pat, pat but yeah, the, the humor the, the humor that these guys really throw in is is so funny because you, they write these themselves and you know it's it's very often they sneak their own kind of personality and, and feelings into some of the wording. And it absolutely cracks me up when we see no doubt. some of these. So the curious tandem of Joe Judge and Matt Patricia absolutely has me rolling right now. Mm -hmm. The curious tandem. <laughs> I like those. So how are we feeling though, working yeah. through this curious tandem? I think and these potentially abandoned offensive schemes. <laughs> I think that I'd be willing to flex either Stevenson or Harris on the chance of like a touchdown dependent day. I think that's a fine play. I'm a little bit worried. I have some Jacoby Myers exposure, but I really don't like the way he's been limited kind of all uh, all offseason. If we can get some better, like, you know, sometimes an hour before the game, tune in with us. You know, we'll be rocking and rolling, doing with uh, Dave Kluge, our mutual friend, doing some lineup decisions. But if we start to get those blurbs about where Myers is really out at, because sometimes the beat writers get that heads up, then I'd be a little bit more confident because I think he's going to be their number one. He was last year. I think he'll soak it up. PPR, he's a decent wide receiver three uh, flex play and I think that's that's where you stand at least for me yeah I, I think the the Ty Montgomery thing if it affects anyone it affects Stevenson because he was the one who was rumored to take over the passing role when you know they thought Ty Montgomery might be out for an extended amount of time um Damian Harris for me as as much as they've talked up the two of them as a 1a 1a type of thing this entire offseason uh, I struggle where to where to put these two, and I, I've Agreed. gone back and forth in my rankings all off season. I've had Ramondre Stevenson in front for the last couple of weeks. I had Damian Harris in front for most of the off season. Um, I want to lean towards Ramondre simply because his upside is probably higher on a week to week basis, given that he might assume some of these pass catching downs, and we've never seen Damian Harris really have a pass catching role in this offense. Uh, then again, this is the Patriots. Nothing makes sense on a weekly basis with these guys. And again, this is Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. This is not going away. These guys are actual, like, full-blown idiots. 
Neither, <laughs> neither of them know how to run an offense. One's not even an offensive guy. The other's a special teams guy. So the the Patriots are just kind of I, – I wouldn't even call it free rolling. They're, they're like possibly – I wouldn't call it rolling. Yeah, they're possibly <laughs> DEFCON 1 after this week. So I would keep an eye out. I'm pretty high on Jacoby Myers personally, but I just don't know at all what to make of this offense, this passing offense, what it'll be. Uh, Mac Jones has never been one of my favorite guys either. You know, his limitations way outweigh his strengths, which, you know, are just on-field intelligence and accuracy, you know, things that aren't as huge as they used to be anymore. So, um you know, I'm I'm just gonna give me a pass on this entire New England offense. If you have to tell me one guy, it's Jacoby Myers. There we go. I've been yeah, I'm kind of. I do want to say points. one thing because Patricia is probably dumb at offensive stuff. Dude does have his degree in like aerospace engineering, so he's yeah, not. Yeah, he's he is not dumb, scientist. dumb, but he's, he's at least a rocket scientist. scientist. He's a literal yeah. rocket scientist. That is that is definitely a metric. You should just go back thing. to rockets. Well, what's that? What's that like? What's that Einstein quote? Like, man, if you have a fish try to climb a tree, you'd think that fish was pretty stupid. Exactly, exactly. We got a fish trying to climb a tree. The guy's just trying to be multifaceted, uh, and he's he's like every he's a renaissance fan, man. He's like every fantasy analyst out here. He's trying to be good at multiple things. Right, he's successful yeah. at life. He's yeah. so good at life. He's just bad beard. at coaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that so, take on this yeah. one, man. All right, so moving over now to the New Orleans Saints. Traquan Smith out for Week One. Fantasy wise, we don't care. Michael Thomas is where we really want to invest our attention. He's been dealing with a hamstring. He's questionable week one against the Falcons. They write for what it's worth. Most beats have been pretty optimistic about the way Thomas looks in practice and how the odds been playing on Sunday, but it was three straight limited practice tags for Thomas. It's hard to know exactly what to expect week one after Thomas has played seven games in the last two seasons. But again, he does get a great matchup here going up against Atlanta. He's best viewed, they say, as a high-risk, high-reward wide receiver three. Sam, how do you see Michael Thomas this year? Are you recommending starting him or not in week one? Yeah, so uh, I don't know if I'd go as far as recommending him start right now. Uh, it still seems like he doesn't exactly want to be in New Orleans. Uh, I'm not quite mm. sure I blame him at this point. Um, but look, if Michael Thomas is anywhere near his 2019 self, like, he's the he's the steal of fantasy football drafts in 2022 so like we know what this guy can be his his ceiling is wide receiver one overall and it's not particularly close we've seen it before so we know he can do it we know the talent's there and Jameis is good enough to make him into a you know a player like that the question i think more rests on thomas and his health slash dedication to this team uh, I think that's going to be so much more of a weekly determinant than whether he's still good enough at this game. Because I, I do think the talent's there. I do think everything else is there. It's set up for him. He just needs to go out and lead this offense the way that we know he can. Yeah, I think if we're looking at it like this, just really quickly. So Chris Godwin, Michael Thomas, and we'll see if Godwin even plays. But we got discounts on these guys because of their situations, right? So enjoy the discount. Don't run to put them in your lineup right now, week one, week two. Let's see what's going on, and then see if you capitalize on the capital that you had to spend on them. You know, you don't have to run. In, you, hopefully, you you picked other guys that you can plug in. You don't have to rely on that right away in week one. Mm-hmm. 
Speaking of relying on, we look like Michael Carter is going to be relied upon to start the year and maybe throughout the year if what Jets offensive coordinator Michael Floor is saying about running back Michael Carter is legit, that he is the heartbeat of our offense. Coming in as the number one RB with Brees Hall going to be on the number two duties for this. Feel pretty good about starting Michael Carter this week. We are optimistic about Brees Hall down the road, but we're not down the road. We're in week one. Do we all feel good about starting Michael Carter, say, in your flex this week, or, or would you lean away? Travis, I know you do. What about you, Sam? Uh, yeah, I think I think even even though the matchup's not that great, I think you definitely have to start Michael Carter here. Like, like we said about Brees earlier, uh, to start to question, it, it's a little bit you know convoluted. We don't really know what, you know, each is uh, market share is going to look like yet. So uh, Carter's good. He's he was good last year, and even though the even though the Jets replaced him, we still have to remember the notion that teams want to run two running backs. Just because they start Michael Carter in Week One does not mean that Brees Hall is bad. Brees Hall will most likely assume the you know the dominant portion of the work going down the stretch of the season. Might just take a couple weeks to get him out there. There we go. And we know that Mike Joe Flacco is going to be the starter for the New York Jets for at least the first four weeks of the season as Zach Wilson recovers. I'm feeling I'm breathing a little bit easier, to be honest, if I'm rostering Elijah Moore or even Michael Carter, Brees Hall. It's not as exciting, but it might be consistent at least just a little bit you know might we might get a little bit of productivity and some stability out of new york for the first time in some time moving over to the pittsburgh steelers where wide receiver one deontay johnson who's been dealing with a shoulder injury does say he's gonna play week one against the Bengals. said it's a pain tolerance issue it's a full participant in practice to close out the week that's a good sign dealing with a lot of pain is not awesome but hey it's the nfl Travi, any concerns starting Deontay Johnson with Mitch Trubisky as the starter? How confident are you in that this week? Uh, no concern. I mean, well, definitely concerned, and I'm not confident in it, but I didn't like Deontay coming in as much because of the question marks in his offense. But where you took him, you're probably starting him this week. I think in this matchup against Cincinnati, where they're going to have to throw to keep up, it, it, I would see, I would assume I, I'm fine with it. And you saw Mitch kind of get down the field with Deontay in preseason. Actually, the play I think he got injured on. So was a really nice drop it in the bucket there. So I'm, I'm with it, Deontay, starting him if you got him. Like he, He's the guy you're putting in your lineup for sure. Right on here. Moving on to a, a name that Sam mentioned right. earlier, George Kittle. He's got he's got him moved further back, and right now that's looking not not such a bad call as Kittle, the often injured one, is injured right now. Questionable week one coming in. He's dealing with the groin. They mentioned here he's not somebody who needs to practice, but he is somebody who needs a groin, and we don't know if he's got <laughs> one of those rocking in full force, good enough to compete uh, in the hardest sport yeah. in the hardest league in the world. Is there anybody who benefits? What does this news do, Sam? You're you're obviously not going to start George Kittle if he's not playing. Do you start Ayuk if you were on the fence about him? Does this have any actual impact to your fantasy roster? First of all, I do have to confirm you need a groin. Those are uh, pretty pretty <laughs> it's vital. Not, it's not in the rule book. It's not in the rule book, but it's probably going to be necessary to get the play. Yes, down. yes. Some some of those uh, some of those life functions are are vital uh, there with a groin. So. Um, 
I am not going to start George Kittle this week. This was definitely bad enough that he couldn't practice this week. I, I know that he said that he's played before after not practicing for three straight days. Look, I, I look, George Kittle's a tough guy. If he could play, he'd be out there practicing. And yeah. even so, th- this offense is going to be very sketchy this year for the first couple of weeks until we figure out, you know, kind of how Lance looks as the unquestioned starter. Finally, is Debo going to get the massive target share that he had last year? Well, I start the season in the doghouse is Kittle going to block more than, more than he, uh, more than he typically does. We don't know any of the answers to these questions. And the biggest one is Lance. So for the first couple of weeks, I'm, I'm exercising caution. With this, I will say that uh, Brandon Ayuk's in a great spot. Debo Samuel's in a great spot. Both will both will probably take on some added work if Kittle's out. Uh, but I definitely look for a replacement. And you know, I, I said all offseason, if you draft Kittle, fine. But you know, go and grab some insurance just in case, because not only does he sometimes get nicked by the injury bug. Uh, he's not a guy that you can really rely on to be consistent on a week to week basis from a production standpoint. So speaking of this production, we're coming to the end of it. We've got one more team left to discuss here on Friday afternoon, evening, depending on where you're at. And it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And this has been a team we've been talking about all off season and that's continued surprisingly had more drama out of this Tom Brady squad than we're used to seeing out of Tom Brady squads. Hey, I'm 45 years old, man. A lot of shit going on. Ain't that the truth, but we got to deal with that. Some of that shit right now and try to get it squared up here. So we're looking at Kate Otten. Todd Bull says nothing has been too big for rookie tight end Kate Otten. This was a popular name that popped up after Gronkowski's retirement was solidified and we started seeing talks of other tight ends. Kate Otten, though, was one that was mentioned as someone to consider. I don't think we're going Kate Otten. Giovanni Bernardi was removed from the week one injury report. He's going to play against the Cowboys. I think you've got to be in a really deep league if you're considering starting Giovanni Bernard. Let me know if you disagree, but I'm not going there. The pass catchers, though, are the ones that are pretty interesting, and I think we actually need to sort it out a little bit. Mike Evans, you got Mike Evans. You love Mike Evans. Start him. Enjoy it. Russell Gage, uh, uh, Ju- uh <sighs> I'm, I'm, Julio I'm, Jones. Thank Julio you. Jones. Why, why did I say just, it's Julius <laughs> Thomas? Julio Jones. Uh, Julio Jones. Thomas. I, I miss Julius Thomas. Yeah. That, week, that game was so, that was so fun to watch him just yep. pull up there. We have Julio Jones. Thank you, Travi. Russell Gage. Chris Godwin. These are all names that have been up and down on the injury reports. You know, Chris Godwin here. Coach Todd Bull said a decision on Chris Godwin's knee will come right up to game time. Our favorite thing to see making decisions. Um, Julio Jones might have between these three might be the healthiest and the best bet. Russell Gage. We really liked him earlier on, uh, but he's been banged up and then they signed Julio Jones and we haven't had Tom Brady reports on him connecting with anybody throughout the off season as much as maybe we would have liked from a prediction standpoint, but I'll kick it to you, Sam first, any wide receivers in this Tampa Bay bucks offense that you are going to start if you're not in a totally desperate position? And if so, why? Um, I mean, I'm assuming we're starting Mike Evans all the time. Yep. Um, Chris Godwin is someone who I've been very persistent on the fact that I don't think he's going to play week one. He might not play week two or three, and he certainly won't be himself until October or November. Uh, you know, just because this is still an ACL, it still takes time to come back yeah. and healthy, all that stuff. 
Um, Russell Gage was someone who I was on for so much of the summer. And then when they signed Julio Jones, it's kind of became moot because Julio Jones, regardless of how he's looked the last couple of years, uh, I think he was kind of disinterested last year playing for the Titans, but he's still Julio Jones. This is Tom Brady is the best quarterback he's ever played with. And he's going to give him a ton of good looks. I think a lot better than Ryan Tannehill did. And uh, Julio doesn't have to do as much as he would have had to in Tennessee last year. Uh, Mike Evans and Chris Goblin carry the load for the most part. Russell Gage is there. Cameron Bray is there. Kyle Rudolph, Kate Otten, Leonard Fournette. There's a lot of pass catchers on the Bucks who will make Julio not have to do a ton. And I think that's where Julio will be best at this point in his career. He's probably a rotational pass catcher. Might stay in maybe one to two draw uh downs every drive he might not be you know an every down drive guy but one thing he still is is one of the best pass catchers of our generation and i think everyone's kind of sleeping on that a little bit so while he's not gonna he might not put up you know wide receiver one or wide receiver two production he's certainly there as a wide receiver three and i I think that's almost a reliable thing to expect from him on a weekly basis and you can definitely just throw him into your flex if you need to but if you're not comfortable with that i think russell gage also has uh a nice you know at least a solid floor you should see at least you know three to four catches a game uh you know maybe 40 50 yards so if you're desperate at the end of your bench, you got Russell Gage sitting there. I don't think it's the worst move in the world. Any other points on that one, Travi? Yeah, I kind of agree with that take. I think, look, uh, I, Tampa Bay is like the, what is it, the fifth highest team implied total. They're going against a Dallas defense that got really opportunistic last year, but wasn't really that great. Um, they just had a lot of turnovers. I love this matchup for the wide receivers, and I would be fine with Julio Jones or Russell Gage in your flex. Uh, a lot of what Sam said, I'll just add, like, doesn't it make sense that Brady – look, the the beat report from Brady was that it doesn't take a lot to get chemistry with a guy like Julio Jones. He's so good at what he does, at being a tactician. That was one of the beat reports. And then the other thing we look at – this happened already for Tom Brady multiple times with A.B. And now A.B. was a little bit better than Julio at these points in their careers. I would agree with that. But when A.B. came off the streets into New England, touchdown in the first game. A.B. Yep. came to Tampa Bay. He focused on him. He loved him. I think he knows how to play the egos, and I think Julio Jones will be a guy he wants to keep involved. So I'm good with the upside play on Julio Jones. This is the matchup to do it. The game yep. script looks right. The, the secondary looks right to attack. Either of those, Gage or Julio Jones, I think in your lineup this week as a flex could be good. I, just, yep. I'm, I could not get Matt Stafford and Allen Robinson out of my head, though when we were talking just now about Tom Brady and Julio Jones, I'm like, yeah. I know, I, mean, I know, but a little like, bit of a difference, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you, both, you both the wide receiver, both the wide receiver and the quarterback are better than the wide receiver and quarterback in LA. You like, think Allen Robinson, you, you're taking Julio Jones Julio over Allen Robinson, 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 Robinson last season? At this point, at this point in their careers, I, I mean, I think there's closer. probably more juice left for Allen Robinson, but I think the situational stuff like Sam's talking about, where yeah. we're talking about putting him in as a rotational player, you could get – I mean, also, they're going to miss all the Gronk red zone looks. That's a Julio Jones. Like, never in Julio's career has he gotten red zone looks. And now he's said, got an opportunity. They even said that Makes he's going to play sense. the Gronk role. He's going to yep. play the Gronk role. They they said it. Yeah. Like, you know – you. Like, I trust, you know, when they come out and say stuff like that, you, you kind of pay attention to that. Yeah, I hear it. I'm with you on And, and, and to Austin's point, they said the same thing about Robinson being in the red zone. Yes. And yeah. we've got <laughs> offensive line issues for 
uh, Tampa Bay that we presume could happen. But again, I'm going to go with Vegas here. 26-point team implied total. There's points to be had. I'll roll the dice on a touchdown or, or upside for by either Gage or Julio Jones here. Yep. Love it. Well, we were going to be answering more of your lineup questions, Whisper Nation, an hour before kickoff on Sunday. We have time we get started, Travi? Hour and a half before kickoff. Ooh, we so, get some extra yeah. bonus action. Yeah, so we'll have Dave Kluge on for that first half hour, mutual friend of ours, and we'll be rocking and rolling through those lineup decisions. So make sure you hit that subscribe button, turn the notifications on, and then after that lineup show ends, same same show, we're going to be rocking with you for the first half of the Sunday action. So make sure you're with us. Sam, can you let the folks know where they can follow you and if there's anything they should be keeping an eye out for that you're working on now? Yep, uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Swagman95. Uh, uh, writer over at football guys will be doing a uh, weekly round table throughout the season there as well as uh, you know always throwing some sports bets around over at fantasy points do golf do nfl do college football over there uh obviously the golf season starts back up next week who gives a crap about that though it's football season uh my best bets for fantasy points will be out every single week on Tuesday or Wednesday. So keep a good eye out for there. And uh, thank you guys for having me. This was a blast. Of course, man. This was a blast. Really quick. Toxic lore. Right by 10 man. PPR QB Lamar RBs, CMC, Saquon wide receivers, Mike Williams, Sutton, tight end, Kelsey, flex, Gabe Davis, Bateman. It is 10 man, but it's great. This is solid. This is the best team I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Toxic love it. Bring your questions, Whisper Nation, to the Sunday lineup show. Subscribe so you catch those notifications. Follow same so you can be a better human being. Whisper Nation would love you. Freak Stomper, Toxic Lure, Prothem. It's great to get to know you on here. That was awesome, man. Jersey J, as always, Marty, uh, Freak Stomper, uh, Nemo, Donnie, of course. We couldn't do this without you at the level we're getting to now. Uh, everybody else, the Joker who jumped in, Chase Claypool, and Herbs, oh, never mind on this one. We'll get to your questions later. Whisper Nation, man, it's been a blast. We'll see you next time on behalf of Johnny Game Time Hicks, Big Travis Moss, and Sierra, the Fantasy Whispers. We're out. Peace. Hey, hey, hey.